Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Breakup violence is common in relationships that were physically abusive. According to the Mississippi Coalition Against Domestic Violence, quote, women in abusive relationships are about 500 times more at risk when they leave, unquote. However, a breakup violence can occur even if there was no history of violence. The Ohio Violence Free Coalition has made a strong effort to inform parents about breakup violence, which is an ongoing issue amongst teens and young adults. According to their studies, quote, a person is more likely to be seriously injured or killed after a breakup. And in 20% of relationship homicides, the killing itself was the first act of violence. Unquote. If anything, I hope the tragic cases we talk about this week will serve as a reminder to take extra safety precautions when dealing with a potential violent ex. Love to death, this week, on Mysteriously Listed. Number four, Amy Wensley. Amy Wensley met David Simmons during a night at the local pub. Amy wasn't necessarily looking for a relationship. Her world was her two-year-old daughter. But Simmons won her over with his dry sense of humour and the two quickly fell in love. Moving into a small cabin on Simmons' father's large property in Serpentine, Western Australia. Not all was what it seemed, though. The relationship was marred by explosive arguments and violence, often caused by Simmons' drinking and drug use. In the days before their daughter was born in 2012, a friend of Amy's walked into the family's kitchen unannounced after their knocks went unanswered, only to find Amy bent over the table with Simmons's hands around her neck. March 2013. Amy and Simmons were involved in quite a serious traffic accident, with Simmons behind the wheel. Simmons walked away with minor injuries, but Amy wasn't so lucky and had a long rehabilitation period ahead of her. She was still suffering from health problems because of the accident at the time of her death. But this accident only proved to be a further source of tension between the couple, Amy blaming Simmons for her ongoing health problems and Simmons resenting Amy for it. Their relationship had declined to the point that Amy seeked out help with her mental health and was diagnosed with antidepressants to help her cope. She would tell friends that she was secretly saving money to leave Simmons as soon as she could. But sadly, Amy never got the chance to take the girls and start a new life. June 26, 2014. Simmons and friend Gareth Price went to cut firewood Simmons was planning to sell. Simmons and Gareth were drinking heavily while they underwent their task. Throughout the day, Amy would try to contact her partner, but unbeknownst to her, Simmons had damaged his phone and it wasn't working. She thought, though, he was deliberately ignoring her. 4pm, Amy returned home with the girls, who were aged 6 and 4 years old. 
An argument would quickly break out between the couple and it wouldn't take long before the fights became physical. Amy threw a beer bottle at Simmons before trying to hit him with a mirror and then punching him in the lip. Simmons would respond by picking Amy up by the neck and choke slamming her to the ground. Amy threatened to take all the couple's money and get a new house and she walked outside, smashing his glass lizard tank in the process. And obviously upset and hysterical, Amy called her mother Nancy soon after, and she recalled the events of the day. Nancy insisted on coming and picking up Amy and the girls and bringing them home with her, but Amy assured her mother that she was fine and she would be the one to drive to her mother's. Amy would immediately begin packing up some of her belongings, including her passport and the girls' birth certificates stopping briefly to post a selfie of herself holding Simmons's double-barreled shotgun, one of her partner's many guns. This would be just after 5pm. Simmons and Gareth went with the children while they got in the car. The girls and Gareth would later confirm Simmons was shooting at birds while they waited for Amy. Simmons would later tell police that he was still outside when he heard a thud, and he went inside to investigate. This was when he allegedly found Amy barricading the door and sitting on the floor. His shotgun was next to her, a gunshot wound to her head. Amy was dead. At this point, Gareth would also enter the bedroom and move the gun, placing a towel over Amy's head. As neither men had working cell phones and Simmons would later claim not to know where Amy's was, they would drive to the nearby Serpentine Roadhouse to call emergency services. The call would come only 20 minutes after Amy's phone call with her mother. Simmons would tell the dispatcher, quote, I've got two kids and my wife shot herself. Can you please just come and take her or something? Unquote. At the end of the call, he could be heard saying, quote, Why would she fucking do that? Unquote. Local police would arrive on the scene, and they immediately considered Simmons's version of events as suspicious. They believed right off the bat that another person was involved. As per procedure, homicide detectives were called in, but within 10 minutes of investigation, they were satisfied that Amy had suicide, and a forensic cleaning of the bedroom was arranged for the following morning. This would later prove to be a massive mistake with crucial forensic evidence being forever lost. A few days later, local police would arrest Simmons on suspicion of murder and his friend Gareth Price was arrested on suspicion of being an accessory after the fact. However, both would be released without charge and the decision from the major crime unit remained the same, that Amy's death was a suicide. Amy's mother, Nancy, was not happy with this determination. To her, it didn't make sense that her daughter would tell her she was coming, for her to pack up all her stuff, only for her then to suicide. The initial decision was reviewed and a new investigation was commenced. The second investigation was hampered by the fact that the crime scene had been contaminated. But ultimately, the investigators reached the same conclusion, that there was no evidence that another person was involved in Amy's death. August 2021, a third investigation was conducted by police. They looked into the possibility that another person was involved in Amy's death. And because of this new investigation, a coronial inquest was ordered. An argument for another party being involved, either resulting in homicide or an accident, 
the phone call with Nancy only minutes earlier. There was no suicide note and text messages sent to friends that Amy wanted to leave the relationship, that she, quote, disapproved of his use of alcohol and illicit drugs, unquote. Most damning was from a biomedical expert who testified that Amy could not have shot herself due to the entry of the bullet into her skull. There was also gunshot residue found on Amy's left hand, her non-dominant hand, which could be explained by Amy attempting to ward off the shotgun. Amy's right hand was out of commission. She was found sitting on her right hand at time of discovery. The argument for Amy suiciding by shotgun. The selfie taken just before her death, so we know the gun was in her possession. Amy's depression and seeming unhappiness with how her life was. In her relationship with Simmons and her ongoing health issues because of the car accident. The coronial inquest would determine that there was insignificant evidence to say definitively how or why Amy died, leaving open the possibility that her death occurred by suicide or homicide or accident. Amy's loved ones would describe Amy as being social and gregarious, that she loved fashion, that she was close to her family and friends, that she would record her daughters learning to read and bouncing on their new trampoline. Sadly, all her daughters have left now are photos and hazy memories. And unfortunately, the family will never truly know what happened. The failure to properly investigate Amy's death has left a cloud over her story. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Number 3. Heather Stamper July 9, 2016, Delaware City, Delaware 45-year-old Stephen Pierce was sent into a jealous rage after he thought he saw his girlfriend, 31-year-old Heather Stamper, texting her ex-boyfriend. Throughout their short romance, Pierce had frequent bouts of jealousy, resulting in Heather cutting off contact with male friends and acquaintances to keep her new lover happy, which is laughable considering Pierce was married at the time and having an affair with Heather. This instance of jealousy was the final straw. Heather had finally had enough, and she ended the relationship then and there. Neighbours would later report seeing the two arguing in the street in front of Heather's home before Pierce drove off into the night. Pierce would visit several friends' homes after this. He was yelling and unable to contain his hatred towards Heather. He destroyed the car seats in his car, 
asking one friend for a rosary and a gun, saying, quote, This is my last night of freedom. I'm going to be a lifer come tomorrow. Unquote. Several hours later, Pierce would return to Heather's home. Her roommate, not aware of the earlier events of the night, let him in, telling Pierce that Heather had already gone to sleep in her basement bedroom, but he was fine to go in. She would then report hearing loud noises coming from the bedroom, but explosive fights were sadly the norm, so the roommate didn't want to intervene unless she was asked. Fifteen minutes later, Pierce would emerge from the bedroom. He was crying. He told Heather's roommate that the relationship was over. Quote, We broke up. I'll never see that bitch again. Unquote. What Heather's roommate didn't know that Pierce had killed Heather. He had bludgeoned her to death while she was asleep in bed, completely defenceless. The following day, Pierce would again return. He let himself in and went back to Heather's bedroom. He called 911 to report he found his girlfriend dead. It was immediately clear to police that she had been murdered, the cause of death being by blunt force trauma. October 2016. Stephen Pierce was arrested and charged with his girlfriend's murder. During questioning, Pierce would change his story multiple times, trying to imply that Heather was suicidal. Quote, she has been feeling suicidal lately. Unquote. To appear innocent, he even went as far as to comment on her online obituary, calling her by their pet names to each other and asking why someone would take her from him. April 2019, Pierce went to trial, and in July 2019, he was found guilty of first-degree murder and possession of a deadly weapon during the commission of a felony. He was sentenced to life in prison, plus an additional 25 years for the deadly weapon charge. Pierce maintains his innocence behind bars, where he will remain the rest of his natural life. Number 2. James Barry 21-year-old James Barry and 20-year-old Melanie E.M. had an on-again and off-again relationship for the past two years. When they were together, everything was great. E.M. would regularly come to James's home in Florida and cook him and his family dinner. His family embraced her like a daughter. However, by November 2016, James again wanted to end their relationship, this time for good. November 15, 2016, James sent Ian a text message stating that he no longer loved her and didn't want to see her anymore. This was not good enough for Ian. She drove to James's mother's home to confront him over the text messages. She begged James to reconsider, but he was steadfast in his decision to end the relationship. According to court records, Ian entered the Barry family kitchen and grabbed a knife. She went back into James's bedroom and stabbed him to death. Ian would then flee the scene, leaving her cell phone behind, before briefly dropping by her parents' home to grab some belongings and then headed to another family member's home in Silver Spring, Maryland. James's stepfather, Guy Hand, was awoken by the sounds of James screaming. He ran into the bedroom to find James dying on the bed. Guy attempted CPR, but it was all too late. James would die before the paramedics were able to get to him. Three days after James's death, Ian was arrested and charged with his murder. She would initially confess to the murder, 
and this confession was recorded. When asked how many times she stabbed James, Ian said, quote, I don't know, it's not like I counted, unquote. And then asked why she killed her ex-boyfriend, she responded, quote, he set me off, unquote. But despite this initial confession, Ian would still plead not guilty to second-degree murder. The case went to trial in September 2018. Ian's defence team suggested another killer, James's stepfather Guy. That Guy's fingerprints were on the murder weapon, not because he moved it in an attempt to save James's life, but because he was the one who stabbed him. That Ian and Guy had gotten to an argument, and James stepped in between them to protect his girlfriend. And that's when he was accidentally stabbed by Guy. A clinical and physical psychologist testified that she believed Ian was a victim of long-term physical and sexual abuse, that this report was self-reported by Ian and her cousin. But the prosecution was not able to find any reports to confirm this was the case. No reports of any kind were filed with the Florida Department of Children and Families or the police. However, this didn't matter in the eyes of the jury, and it was enough to create reasonable doubt ultimately ending in a mistrial. The second trial went before the court in January 2019, and this time the jury returned the verdict of guilty. Melanie Eam would be sentenced to 50 years in prison, with 866 days' time served to be credited. In her victim impact statement, James's mother, Nicola, would state brokenheartedly, quote, "'Melanie took away the future we were supposed to have with James.' Justice has prevailed, however. I feel this will never replace James, but at least the world is a safer place because she is locked up. Unquote. Number one, Christina Proden. Like with all the cases we talked about today, this was another case of a toxic relationship. 27-year-old Christina Proden and 25-year-old Joseph Porter met in late September 2017 online. Now, technically, Porter was not a single man. He was married and living in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, it's not clear whether Porter and his husband were in an open marriage or if they were going through a separation. But soon after meeting, Porter would move to Edna, Minnesota to live with Christina. Porter had a long history of abuse towards women. Court records would later show that he had been convicted of charges, including burglary, property damage and second-degree battery in Arkansas, that he beat his then-girlfriend to the point of rendering her unconscious and then viciously killing her dog when she left him. As soon as he moved in with Christina, the violence would start in that relationship too. Porter would rape Christina, beat her service dog, Christina had epilepsy. Not long before her death in December 2017, he beat her to the point that she had a miscarriage. During this incident, Christina took out an order of protection against Porter, and he would be arrested for violating this almost immediately. Despite all of this, Christina would take Porter back, and they continued their unhealthy and dangerous relationship. January 4, 2018. During another violent fight, Porter punched Christina in the face repeatedly during an argument. He put her into a chokehold until she lost consciousness and she died. 
Porter would later state this was never his intention. He never meant to kill her. In a panic, he placed her body into a suitcase before fleeing to New Orleans with the plans of burying her body in a junkyard. The next day, January 5th, 2018. Now, Christina would call her mother Livia daily to check in and catch up on the events of the day. However, Livia had not heard from her daughter for two days at this point, which never happened. She requests a welfare check to be conducted by the local police. They would find the apartment in complete disarray, but both Christina and Porter were nowhere to be found. January 6, 2018. Police would find Porter sleeping in a stolen car in Little Rock, Arkansas. A warrant was already out for his arrest for traffic violations racked up over the last few days. He had multiple burns all over his face at the time of the arrest. In custody, Porter broke down and admitted what he had done, how he had accidentally killed Christina. After placing her in a suitcase and driving to the junkyard, his plans changed. He didn't want to risk her remains being found, so instead of burying her, he was going to burn her. Porter placed Christina's body into a shipping container with several tyres on top of her. He would then pour gallons of gasoline on top, burning himself in the process. At the same time this was all happening, the New Orleans Fire Department were responding to a fire in a shipping container in a junkyard in Cabot, New Orleans. After extinguishing it, firefighters located a badly burned body within the container. DNA and dental records confirmed this was the remains of Christina Proden. Porter would be charged with kidnapping and second-degree murder. The case went to trial in January 2019, and Joseph Porter would be quickly found guilty. The recommended sentence was 15 to 18 years. However, after Porter admitted that he did not call the police after accidentally killing Christina, he never admitted to deliberately murdering her. But because of this, the judge gave him the maximum sentence available, 20 years in prison. At sentencing, the judge told Porter, quote, When I read the criminal complaint, I thought I was watching a television movie of atrocious actions of a horrible person. I could not believe how you treated this young lady, unquote. Christina's mother echoing this heartbreaking tragedy in her victim impact statement, quote, She was my only child, so I cry all the time, unquote. What would you like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Please search Mysteriously Listed on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search Mysterious List. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Research, additional writing, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 